Today, we are going to wrap up our sermon series on spiritual warfare entitled Fight for Your Field. And we've been talking over the last five weeks how that once you're born again, you win. Can I get an amen from somebody? Once you're born again, you win. And once the battle for your eternal soul has been settled through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we recognize that now the attack on our life is no longer for our eternal soul. It is now for our field of influence. Every person has a field of influence. We called it our friend, right? Your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. And we said what's powerful about your friend is that you already have instant access to your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. You already have a direct route into the lives of those people. Why? Because you're interacting with them every day. You're living with them. You're working with them. You're doing life with those people. And every day you have an opportunity to impact or influence some else for Jesus Christ it really is as simple as thinking like this if I reach my field and you reach your field then we can reach the world I don't even have to build a bridge to somebody else's field all I've got to do is be faithful in my field and if I'm faithful in the field of influence that God has given me then if I reach my field and you reach your field then we can reach the world now Praise God we get to build bridges. Praise God we do get to partner together. Praise God that you invest in my field and I invest in your field and we get to reach even around the world through missions and invest in people all around the world. But here is the good news of the gospel. We've got to recognize that when we're first faithful in our field, great things happen. I want to be faithful in my field of influence, amen? I want to be faithful with my friends, my relatives, my associates, and my neighbors so that I am making a difference in those individuals lives and then I can begin to build bridges into other people's lives and help you reach the people that are in your field of influence so we recognize that now as a born-again believer there is a strategic demonic attack against your influence and your impact in the lives of other people we also recognize we said there are really three things that we need to understand the key to spiritual warfare we said is that you have to know your enemy that's the devil you have to know yourself right your strengths and your weaknesses and then you have to know your God because he's a big God amen and let me just tell you something today on the front of this message we are not at a disadvantage we are not at a disadvantage you are well able to overcome amen when you think about spiritual warfare, I hear people talk about the devil, and they talk about the devil like he's Superman, and they talk about Christians like we're Pee Wee Herman. I mean, you ever hear people talk about the devil like that? I mean, he's so strong, and he's so mighty, and he's so this, and I'm afraid the devil's going to do this, and I'm afraid how that Satan attacks us through accusation, Satan attacks us through temptation. We're going to look at one other way today that Satan attacks us, and then we're going to look at one other way today that God strengthens us to, to win against every single attack. Revelations chapter 12 verse 9 says this. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, and he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. John chapter 8 verse 44 Jesus is speaking and he says this he says for you are the children of your father the devil and you love to do the evil things he does for he was a murderer from the beginning he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him 
And when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that first point on your outline is simply that Satan attacks through deception. Revelation 12 says that Satan is the deceiver of the nations. He attacks us through deception. He is a liar and the father of all lies. He is a liar and the father of all lies. Jesus actually said Satan hates the truth and there is no truth in him. Now I want you to look at that next part here if you're taking notes. He can only destroy us. Satan can only destroy us to the degree that he can deceive us into believing a lie. Satan can only destroy us to the degree that he can deceive us into believing a lie. There's a great book called How Do You Kill 11 Million People? It's about the Holocaust of the Jews. And the whole idea behind that book is how do you kill 11 million people? It's really simple. You just lie to them. They lied to the Jews. How do you get 11 million Jews to get on a train and go to a concentration camp where they're ultimately going to be starved to death and executed? You just tell them that you're going to take them to a good place. You just tell them that you're going to provide for their family. You just tell them that you're going to relocate them in a place that's going to be better for them. And guess what? If you believe the lie, you die. And 11 million Jews were killed, literally murdered, because they believed a lie. How do you kill a nation with debt? You just lie to them. Think about the American nation. How do you kill families with debt? You just lie to them. You deserve that. You ever heard that little lie? You deserve that. Everybody else has a nice car. You need a nice car. You need a bigger house. I know your house is big enough for your family now, but you know what? You need a bigger house, and you need a nicer car, and you need more clothes. And there's nothing wrong with big houses and nicer cars and more clothes. But if you can't afford it, it becomes a snare that brings death instead of a blessing that brings life. Every one of us in this room have probably experienced what they call buyer's remorse. You ever bought something and before you paid the first payment, you were already regretting you bought that thing? (laughs) Well, how in the world do you get a nation called the United States of America and the average American to become so bound by debt that they can't build the kingdom, they can't bless their families, and they can't look forward to their future. I'll tell you how you do it. You just lie to them. How do you destroy marriages? You just lie to them. Right? That little Facebook message, that little thing's not really going to matter. Oh, your wife won't care. Your husband won't be concerned. Oh, just go ahead and private message them. Oh, that website's not going to hurt anything. Everybody looks at that. Everybody does that. Everybody goes there. I mean, one little fling, one little knot, one little moment. What's that really going to hurt? Well, I'm going to tell you what it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt everything. It's going to kill your family. It's going to kill your marriage. And it's going to devastate your children. And their future and their hope is going to be dramatically impacted by the choices and decisions you made simply because you believed a lie. We're killing ourselves, by the way. Let me give you something. This is not really popular, but I, I can maybe preach it now, three years later. Here I go, well, I can preach that I couldn't preach three years ago. The number one disease in America that we're dying from is heart disease. And the reason we're dying from heart disease is because we're obese. How do you get a nation to kill themselves? By eating too much food. You just lie to them. One more piece won't hurt. Come on, everybody else is eating it. Come on, it's a special occasion. Come on, it's just today. Tomorrow, you'll get on a diet. Tomorrow, you'll start exercising. Tomorrow, things will change. How do you do all that? You just lie to them. 
And here's the realization. The realization is Satan can only deceive us to the degree that he can, Satan can only destroy us to the degree that he can deceive us into believing a lie. And when you think about most of the devastation and destruction that happens in our lives, most of it is self-destruction. We self-destruct through debt. We self-destruct by, by, by compromising our relationships. We self-destruct by eating too much. We self-destruct by looking at things we shouldn't look at and going to places we shouldn't go and initiating relationships we shouldn't initiate. And at the end of the day, addiction and pornography and adultery is all a self-destruct button that was hit because we believed a lie. And the more lies I believe, the more destruction and devastation happens in my life and in my family. And guess what? In my field. See, when daddy blows up, the whole family blows up. When mama blows up, the whole family blows up. Right? When, when the pastor of the local church blows up, the whole community blows up. Right? Right? Satan can only destroy us to the degree that he can deceive us into believing lies. Look at that next point. Satan uses deception to manipulate the truth. To create ideas and images in our minds that are twisted truths. How many know that a twisted truth is really a lie? <laughs> the moment you twist the truth it becomes a lie. The moment you twist the truth, it becomes destructive. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. He said, Keith, he said, Satan is, is, is an expert at giving you enough truth to make it believable and enough lie to make it destructive. Enough truth to make it believable, but enough lie to make it destructive. Because the moment you believe the lie of a twisted truth, and let me just tell you something, that's why the Bible says we have to rightly divide the word of truth. Because Satan is a manipulator and a deceiver who manipulates truth. Think about how much evil in our world has been done under the banner of religion. How many people have been killed, murdered, raped, abused under the banner of religion and even Christianity? Why? Because Satan is a deceiver who manipulates truth in order to bring destruction and devastation into our lives. Deception creates fear, worry, and anxiety. Consider this for just a minute. One of the greatest lies that Satan tells is in the area of unforgiveness. Satan will make this lie. He'll say, you know what? They don't deserve to be forgiven. Because what they did to you was so horribly bad and wrong. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Now, there's a little truth there. The truth is nobody deserves forgiveness. It's a gift that God gives. So the truth is he's right. They don't deserve forgiveness. The truth is, he's right. What they did to you was horrible and unimaginable. Kelly and I, in over 20-something years of ministry, we have heard some of the most horrible stories we can ever imagine. The, the ideas of how people can treat people. It boggles my mind. The, the horrors, literally the horrors of abuse and pain and, and torment that, that one person can inflict on another person. Many times the very people in their own family. 
And, and, it's, and, it, and, it's, and it's overwhelming to consider those things. But here's the realization. Satan says they don't deserve to be forgiven because of what they did was so bad. That's true. They don't deserve it, and it was bad. But here's the lie. You'll spend the rest of your life wishing that they would die, but they won't die. You will. You'll spend the rest of your life with bitterness and resentment in your heart toward that person, wishing that they would die, but they won't die. You will. You've heard me say it many times. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and wishing that the other person would die, but they don't die. You do. And that's the lie. That's the twist on the truth. Yes, they don't deserve it. And yes, what they did was horrible. But no, you won't find freedom in holding on to bitterness and resentment. You will only find freedom when you forgive and break the chain of bondage that their sin now has over you. Remember, forgiveness doesn't free them. They're still accountable to God for the choices and decisions they've made. Forgiveness frees you. But Satan lies. And all of a sudden, we have fear and worry and anxiety. We live in a depressed nation. Number one prescribed medicine in America is antidepressants. We are the most prosperous nation on the planet. You as an American, listen to me, you have more opportunities at liberties and luxuries than any other person in the world. In the world. You have more opportunities for liberties and luxuries than literally, this is not an overstatement, this is not an exaggeration, than any other person on planet Earth. Because you are an American, you have opportunities for liberty and luxury, but yet we are the most depressed nation on the planet. Why? Because we have believed a lie. And much of that lie is rooted in bitterness and unforgiveness. Much of that lie is rooted in the ideologies and theologies of Satan that have twisted the truth, given us a scarcity and a poverty mentality that somehow thinks the only way for me to get ahead is i got to take from you because there's not enough for everybody to go around. I want to tell you something. The grace of God is enough. And there's more than enough of everything to go around. But if you believe the lie, you'll live under worry, fear, and anxiety. Not only will that happen, deception not only brings on those things, but it feeds our carnal lust and our pride. It feeds into the carnality, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And all of a sudden, Satan uses deception to draw us away from the Father. Why? Because deception disconnects us from the truth. Because Satan knows that the truth will set us free. The truth will set us free. Genesis chapter 3, this is interesting. Genesis chapter 3, the first time that Satan speaks in Scripture, he is twisting truth. The first time he speaks in Scripture, he is twisting truth. Look what the Bible says. And the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say? What was he doing? He was twisting truth. He was trying to cast a shadow of doubt over the truth of God's Word. And that's what Satan does over and over again. And she says in verse 2, of course we may eat fruit 
from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. Lie. <laughs> that was a lie. They did die. They died spiritually. And ultimately, they died physically. And the curse of sin and death came on all humanity. Let me just give you a, a sobering thought. Every piece Every moment of sorrow and pain and anguish you have ever experienced in your life. Listen to me. Every, every moment of sorrow, pain, and grief that you have ever experienced in your life can be traced back to Genesis 3-4, one lie. You won't die. All of your pain. All of your sorrow, all of your grief can be traced back to Genesis 3 because Adam and Eve believed a lie. The scripture goes on, verse 5, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll, take, you'll be like God knowing both good and evil. And verse 6 says, and the woman was convinced. A better word would be the woman was deceived. The book of Romans actually tells us that. Romans says that Eve was deceived, but Adam rebelled. Adam was in disobedience, and Eve was in deception. She was deceived. She believed the lie. And the Bible says, look at this. The Bible says in verse 6 that she saw the tree, that it was beautiful. That's the lust of the eye. That it was, that it was look what it says, that it looked delicious. That's the lust of the flesh. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. That's the lust of pride, the pride of life. And she took it and ate it, the Bible says, and gave it to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. And look at verse 7. And the moment their eyes were opened, they suddenly felt shame. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And just a couple verses later, the Bible says that God is walking in the garden and He calls their name. And the Bible says they hid themselves from God. Satan uses deception to manipulate truth so he can disconnect us from the Father. Let me give you a sobering thought this morning. The fact, let me, let me rephrase it like this. Isn't it interesting how many people push back from God, the Bible, and the church? And you say, well, Pastor Keith, the reason people push back is because the church has done some horrible things in the past. You're exactly right. The church has done some horrible things in the past. And there are a lot of imperfect churches. You know how many of them are imperfect? All of them. And they're all imperfect because me and you're here. Can I get an amen? amen? They're imperfect churches because they're made up of imperfect people who are serving a perfect God. And let me tell you something. An imperfect church is better than no church at all. Because we are called to be one body in Christ. But isn't it interesting that people that are resistant to God, resistant to the Bible, resistant to church, what do they run from? When they turn from God, what do they turn to? They turn to destruction. 
They turn to chaos. They turn to pride. They turn to arrogance. They turn to greed. They turn to what they consider to be self-promotion and success. And they end up moving further and further away from the very thing that their heart desires more than anything. And that is peace with God and joy that's not based on the circumstances of life. The Lord quickened my heart this morning. He said, Keith, do you realize that any time you feel fearful and afraid of me, it's because you've been deceived. Anytime, even as Christians, let's just be honest. Let's just, this is a good place to be honest, right? Even as Christians, sometimes we kind of draw back. You know why we draw back? The Lord very, very clearly said this to me this morning. He said, Keith, every time you draw back from me, there's a deception. There's a lie you've believed. Because if Adam and Eve, listen to me, if Adam and Eve would have responded appropriately when they sinned and their eyes were open and they felt the shame, their first response should have been, Daddy God! They should have ran to God, not hid from Him. Why? Because God was the only one that could remedy their sin. God was the only one that could make right what they had made wrong. God was the only one that could bring a resolution to the problem and sin that was in their life. But because of deception, they hid from instead of ran to the Father. So let's flip the coin. Because as I said a while ago, we are not at a disadvantage, guys. That sounds all, all, I mean, that sounds overwhelming, and it does sound like Satan has this amazing weapon of warfare that he calls deception, and it is. It is powerful, and it is mighty, but it is not as mighty, and it is not as powerful, and it is not as great as the grace of God that he has given us. We are not at a disadvantage. We are well able to overcome. John chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And by the way, the Word is Jesus, if you did not know that. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. And the Word gave life. Jesus, the Word, the living Word, gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Look at that next point on your outline. God strengthens us. Hear this, through revelation. Satan attacks us with deception, but God strengthens us with revelation. God reveals truth to us through Jesus. Jesus is the truth that dispels the darkness. Jesus is the truth that dispels the darkness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when the Word was made flesh and He dwelt among us, the Bible says, we beheld the glory of God. And you know what we saw? We saw Jesus full of grace, the unmerited divine power of God, and full of truth that sets us free. God empowers us, strengthens us to overcome deception through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus, hear me today, Jesus is 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 the valve through which all truth comes. 
He is the filter through which truth is permeated and distributed into our lives. All truth comes through Jesus because Jesus is the truth. And what we're going to see is that God gives us revelation through Jesus Christ in three specific areas. That that revelation that comes through Jesus empowers us to overcome those lies so we can believe and stand and walk in the truth. Because the truth sets us free. Can I get an amen from somebody today? Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Look at that next point on your outline if you're trying to take notes. God strengthens us through the revelation of His Word. His word is the sword of the Spirit that cuts down the lies of the enemy. His word, right? The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. His word is the sword of the Spirit that cuts down the lies of the enemy. Years ago, the Lord so, uh, spoke this to me. He said, Keith, he said, my word is a seed, right? Uh, the, the parable of the, ta- the parable of the sower, the seed, the word of God is the seed. He said, Keith, he said, there's a seed, a word, for every need in your life. There's a seed for every need. Kelly and I just finished up a little devotional by Corey Ten Boom, and she made a statement. She said, God doesn't have problems. God just has a plan. God doesn't have problems. God has a plan. And we have problems, guess what, when we don't know God's plan. God doesn't have problems, God has a plan. And we have problems when we don't know God's plan. And the reason that most of us as Christians don't know God's plan is because we don't know God's word. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why? Because through God's word, he equips us, empowers us, and resources us with everything that we need to know the truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them, Jesus said, by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let me encourage you today, read your Bible. It is the sword of the Spirit that cuts through the lies of the enemy. There is a seed for every need. And then the Holy Spirit said this to me this morning. He said, Keith, for every seed of the word, there is a weed of the devil. There's a weed that wants to crowd out the seed of God's Spirit in your life. Let me tell you what the weeds are in our lives. I'm just going to tell you, you probably got it in your hand or in your pocket. It's called Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. It's called email. It's called news feeds. It's called Fox News. It's called CNN. It's called, oh, i got to return this text message. It's called beep, 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 beep. My pocket's blowing up. And I don't have time, and I don't have energy, and I don't have the resources to spend time in here. I can't get in the book because I'm caught up in Facebook, right? And we're consumed by Hollywood when we need to be consumed with the Holy Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit that cuts through the lies of the devil. Let me just give you a challenge. 15 minutes a day. Read your Bible for 15 minutes a day. Why? Because it is the sword of truth. It is the sword of truth that cuts through the lies. 
You'll never be able to discern. Hebrews 4 says that God's word is sharp and quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And it divides, listen to this, it said it divides the soul and the spirit. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. The spirit is the eternal part of you that has been born again and filled with God's spirit. Have you ever wondered, let me tell you how powerful the Word of God is and why it's essential that you are daily reading the Scriptures. Let me tell you why. Because have you ever had those thoughts? Because I haven't ever heard the audible voice of God, but God speaks to me through my thoughts. And He talks a lot. But have you ever wondered, is that my thought or is that God? You ever had that thought? <laughs> you ever had a thought and you thought, man, that kind of sounds like a God thought, kind of sounds like Lord's want me to do something, maybe help somebody, bless somebody, pray for somebody, do something. How do I know if it's God's thought or if it is my thought? Well, the Bible says it's the Word of God that divides between your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and your spirit, which is eternal, born again by the Spirit of God. So all of a sudden, the way I discern my thoughts is with the Word. And so when I have a thought, and I don't know if it's my thought or God's thought, it's really simple. What does the Bible say? Because God's voice will never contradict God's verse. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Kelly and I have made unlimited decisions by simply asking, what does the Bible say? When we have a dispute and we can't agree on what we're going to do, the first thing we say once we calm down, takes her a little longer than me, might take me a little longer than her. Once we calm down, here's what we say. What does the Bible say? And then if we can't agree on what the Bible says, then we say, well, what does Brother Rod say? And we call somebody, amen? And we've had to make that call a few times over the years. But you know what I found out? 95% of the time, what God says is really clear. And we have been able to navigate through, through the division of soul and spirit by simply referring to the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit that cuts through the lies of the enemy. If everybody in this room would read their Bible for 15 minutes a day, I would get the Pastor of the Year Award next year. I mean, this church would blow up off the map if everybody in here just read their Bible 15 minutes a day. I'm just telling you, Liberty Church would explode because you would come alive with the things of God. A good friend of mine, he's a local businessman, I was talking to him this week, and years ago I came out with this little thing called the 30-day disciple, and it was really simple. Read Proverbs chapter 3, the one chapter, for 30 days in a row. Read one chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, every day for 30 days without missing a day, and every day write down one verse or one thought that spoke to you. I gave that out years ago, and this, this businessman, he, he works with very successful men. These are guys that are building companies making over $100,000 a year. These are successful men. And you know what he told me this week? He said, Keith, I've given that book to over 150 men. And he said, less than 10 have done it. Less than 10 have been able to read one chapter a day for 30 days in a row without missing one day. Less than 10. And these are successful, what we would consider disciplined men that have understood what it takes to prosper and succeed, and yet they couldn't read their Bible for 15 minutes a day for 30 days in a row. You want to change your life? I'm just going to tell you, this one thing will change your life forever. 15 minutes, not 5 hours, not an hour, not 30 minutes. If you'll just give God 15 minutes in undivided attention to simply reading and meditating on the Word, God will change your life because all of a sudden the truth of Scripture 
the revelation of Scripture will begin to cut through the lies. And you'll begin to see your life more clearly than you've ever seen it before. And it will be amazing. It'll be amazing. Second revelation God gives us that comes through Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says this, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell, literally show you things to come. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, and we, have not received the, we, and we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know so we can know, intellectually know, we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Look at that next point on your outline. God strengthens us through the revelation of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks truth to our hearts. He opens, our eye, he opens the eyes of our understanding and He empowers us to know what is unknown to our flesh. It is the revelation of the Word that comes through Jesus, and it is the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth will lead you and guide you in all truth. And the more you are familiar with the verse, the more you will clearly hear the voice of God. Because God speaks. He is concerned about every little detail of your life. Just this morning, I was walking out of our bedroom getting ready to come to church. And I usually don't have any cash. And I had $15 on my nightstand. And I looked at it, and my thought was, you need to put that in your pocket. And I thought, nah, I'm going to church. I won't need no cash. I got my wallet with my card. I'll be good. I took one more step, and I heard, you need to get that money. And I turned around and walked back in my room and put that $15 in my pocket. This morning at our 8 o'clock service, God opened a door for a family that needed $15. <laughs> and I said, let me tell you what God did this morning. Here you go. Because I normally don't have cash. That's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. He'll show you things that you did not know. Things unknown to your mind, He will reveal by the Spirit. And we've all experienced, if you're born again, let me tell you, you've experienced, right? You've, you've been in those situations where everything out here looked right, but in here you thought, this ain't right. Everything out here said, go, 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 go. And something in here said, no, just not right. That's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And you can't even put your finger on it, and you don't even really know what it is. All you know is that you know something that you shouldn't know, but you do know because the Spirit of God that lives in you is leading you and guiding you into all truth, showing you things to come. And He's revealing things to you that is key for your victory over deception. Because let me tell you one of the greatest schemes of the enemy. One of the greatest schemes of the enemy is Satan wants to distract you by getting you to say yes to everything so that you can't give yourself to the God thing that he has for you. Look with me in Acts chapter 16. Interesting scripture. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 5. It says, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. They were probably reading their Bibles. Amen. They actually didn't have Bibles. They had the law. 
Verse 6, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Pergerna and Galatia because the Holy Spirit, listen to this, the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. And then they came to the borders of, of Mycenae and they headed north for the providence of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Instead, they went to the seaport of Troas and that night... Paul had a vision, a man from Macedonia in the northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now what's interesting about this scripture is that two times Paul wanted to go and preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit said no. Now think about that. He wanted to go preach the gospel. I mean, I mean, the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel, so I would think that's automatically the will of God for my life. I need to preach the gospel everywhere to every person and every opportunity I get. But here we see something critical. Satan will deceive you into saying yes to everything so that you don't have the time and the energy and the effort to say yes to the God thing. I can't tell you how many people I've seen get excited about Jesus and they want to do everything and three months later they burn out and six months later they're doing nothing for God why because the devil wants to distract us and deceive us into doing all the good things when in reality we need to give our heart our time and our energy to the God thing that has real value and if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit then you'll miss those moments you'll end up being so distracted by doing good that you're not doing the God thing you should be doing. Now, if you're doing nothing, do something. Come on, somebody. Do something. James will help you get to work, won't you, James? Amen. Come see James. He'll put you to work. Tuesday night, celebrate recovery. we got a place for you. If you're not doing anything, do something. But if you're doing everything, you're probably missing God. Because if you do everything, then you probably lack the focus and the energy to do a few things really, really well. And I want to do what God's called me to do well. Why? Because God don't have a problem. God has a plan. And if I overcommit to the good things, I'm not free to do the one thing or maybe the few things that God has for our lives. Amen? Last thing. Let's look at this. Romans chapter and then we're going to transition to Romans chapter 8 Romans 5, 3 through 5 Paul says we can rejoice too that when we run into problems and trials we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love Romans 8 verse 35 says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with danger? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. All day long we are being slaughtered like sheep. Verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Somebody say that with me. Overwhelming victory. Let's say it one more time overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love 
Neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither fear of today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God, listen to this, that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at that next point. God strengthens us through the revelation of His love. The revelation of His Word, the revelation of the Spirit, and then there is the revelation of the love of God. His love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God has revealed His love to us, and it's the revelation of God's love, hear me, that draws us out of the shadows of fear, shame, and guilt. We can stop hiding. We can stop hiding in fear from God. Why? Because He loves us. And if he loves us, he'll forgive us. And if he loves us, he'll redeem us. And if he loves us, he'll pick us back up again. And if he loves us, then he'll keep on keeping on because love never fails. Aren't you thankful? And all of a sudden, it's that revelation of the love of God that draws us out of the shadows. It's that revelation of the love of God. Listen to me. It's that revelation of the love of God that empowers us to overcome the failures of yesterday. You don't have to live in shame and condemnation. There is forgiveness and freedom. Like Adam and Eve, instead of hiding from God, let's just call out and say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. Forgive me and cleanse me. I repent and I turn to you. And God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sins and wash us and make us white as snow again. The love of God, when you understand that He loves you, all of a sudden you come out of the shadows. The failures of yesterday no longer hold you down. Even the troubles of today. I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said, does it mean that God doesn't love us when we have hardship and persecution and trial and tribulation? Does it mean that God doesn't love me when I get a cancer diagnosis? Does it mean that God doesn't love me when, when I go through financial setback? Does it mean that God doesn't love me when people persecute me or come against me? Does it mean that God doesn't love me because I'm battling with depression in my mind? Absolutely not. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And it is that revelation that God does love you in spite of the horrible things that are happening that gives you the grace to step out of it. See, people get stuck in their sorrow and in their hardships because they don't believe God loves them. And if God doesn't love me, then the pain that I'm experiencing today is probably going to last forever. But if God does love me, then there is an end to every storm. Come on, somebody. There's an end to every storm and I'm one day gonna step out of the pain of what I'm walking through because I believe that he loves me as I share with you we've been reading a devotional by uh, Corey Tim Boom and she was talking about her brother who was arrested in the resistance for hiding Jews and he was in prison and his story was really amazing because he was in prison and in prison uh, he ended up getting saved <laughs> And in prison, he said, I knew the scriptures. I had learned the scriptures as a child growing up. I knew, I knew that God loved the Jews and I wanted to protect the Jews. He said, but, but what I didn't have was the peace and the love and the joy that I heard other people talk about. He said, I did all the things that I did in the resistance against Hitler and the Germans. I did all of that out of anger. I hated them. And I hated what they were doing to people and to our family and to our community and to our country. I hated them. He said, but when I was in prison, my mom smuggled in a New Testament. <laughs> he said, I started reading the scripture. Not because that was what I was supposed to do because my mom and dad taught me. He said, I started reading the scripture out of a desire to know God. And he said, in the corner 
of my prison cell. In humility, I cried out to God. And this is what he said. He said, and the love of God filled my soul. And for the first time in a long time, he said, instead of feeling hate, all I could feel was love. And it was that revelation of the love of God that changed his heart and his life. The last point, wrap up thought here today. Satan uses accusation, temptation, deception to destroy us. God uses affirmation, conviction, and revelation to strengthen us to walk in victory in every area of our lives. Last point here, I want to say this real loud. You are not powerless. You are powerful. You are equipped, and you are well able. I want you just to bow your heads this morning. You are not powerless. You are powerful. And whether you're watching me online or whether you're here in this room here today, I want you to hear this today because our victory over the enemy is rooted in one thing, and that is our faith in Jesus Christ. You'll never be strong enough, smart enough, educated enough, wealthy enough to win the battle for your soul. Only Jesus can do that, and He has. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, I've never truly put my faith in Jesus. I know about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. I've maybe prayed some prayers. I've maybe even read my Bible. But I don't know Him. I've never been transformed as Corey Tim Boone's brother was by the love of God. I've never received that heart change. But today is my day. And I know that God loves me and I know that He sent His Son for me and today by faith I want to accept that gift of eternal life because that's what it is. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can only by faith receive it by believing in the finished work of Jesus. And if that's you this morning, if you're here in this room today, I'd love for you just to slip your hand up and say, Pastor Keith, that's me today. And today I want to pray to accept Christ. If you're watching online, just hit that little hand emoji or type in that comment box. I'm raising my hand. But if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never really put your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior, your heart's never been changed by the love of God that can invade a prison cell. Because he went on to make this statement. He said, in that prison cell, he said, I felt more free than I'd ever felt in my entire life. Because that's the power of the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. If you've never made that decision today and you're willing to commit your life to I want you just to slip your hand up. We're about to pray together. This is a holy moment. And this is your time. If you're here today and you're a born-again Christian, you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm saved. I'm born again. I know I'm going to win. But maybe you recognize there's some areas of deception in your life. Maybe you realize you're not walking in the full revelation that God has for you. Maybe you're just ignoring the Bible. Maybe you've not really cultivated the voice of God in your life. You've not really tuned into what God is saying. Maybe you've resisted that love that even though you know it's there, you've not fully embraced it. Today, I want to just encourage you, let's grab hold of what God has given us. 
We're not powerless, we're powerful. We're not at a disadvantage. We have an amazing advantage. And we're born again to win. And not just to win for ourselves, but we're born again to win our field of influence, to bring other people to Jesus. So if you raised your hand, let's pray this prayer together for salvation. I want to ask everybody here in the room just to say it out loud with me. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.